0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. Christian, our video games blend of the month, marches on as we finally leave the world of adaptation and instead look at something original for the movies as we are now looking at Tron and Tron Legacy. What a week here on the podcast. No more Mario, no more Sonic, just good old Tron.
1: I have thought about this, and i it's very video game-y, but there's not that much video game playing within these two movies.
0: Yes, in particular, the second one. There, There's a lot less in terms of the even references to video games, where the first one feels more directly inspired, so I'm sure that might be something that we'll come up in our discussion of those movies but in particular just quick background here for folks listening along at home whether or not you've caught up with these movies the original tron was inspired or the the director is steven lisberger he's the one who created this franchise and ultimately brought it to disney and he got the idea for tron in the first place after seeing gameplay of pong Mm -hmm. christian are you familiar with pong (laughs)
1: uh i am i've never played pong but it's, I feel like everyone has seen Pong to some degree.
0: You know, Pong, pong is a real whiz-bang good time. I mean, it's its hard to believe that we surpassed the levels of fun that we achieved in 1976 with that ball bouncing. I don't think we have. Back and forth. I mean, yeah, the, the more complex it's gotten, it's just, the worse it's gotten. You know, simplicity. I mean, there's
1: beer Pong now.
0: <laughs> I would like to create, I would like to introduce, uh, maybe I'll get a time machine and I'll go back in time. To the 70s, or whenever Pong became widely playable in homes, and I'll try to create beer pong with Pong. I'm sure some frat guy in the late 70s somewhere they've thought of it before I did, but 100% I, I will it. learn who did that and then steal his idea and, and become mm. infamous to, to oh, the fraternities yes. of the nation. Capitalism
1: so, at its finest.
0: Capitalism, I guess. Well, is it capitalism if I just steal someone's idea if I don't make money off of it? It's not like he. You could, oh,
1: I thought I thought you were trying to be profitable.
0: No, no, no. If I was trying to be profitable, oh. I would go back and steal the idea for the original Pong. <laughs> Show up at Atari with your, headquarters. With your time machine? With my time machine. That's, oh, that's yeah. what I would do.
1: All right, we, we, we need to talk about these movies. We do need to talk about these movies.
0: Of course, after seeing some gameplay of a little game called Pong... Steven Lisberger, who at this point was an animator, and I, I believe was looking to break into film, although I'm sure he had made some projects. Uh, Tron was not his debut filmer or, or television production. But he was inspired by the idea of going into video games, having your characters live there. A little bit of Alice in Wonderland even, mixed in, as the characters in the real world do go to this parallel world within the computers. Tron itself would ultimately come out in 1982. It was both uh, written and directed by Lisberger, he also collaborated on the story with Bonnie McBird. Ultimately star Jeff Bridges as Kevin Flynn, who was a programmer and arcade owner who was kicked out of the company Encom. Ultimately, we find out, of course, because his ideas were stolen. He got mad about it. But in his quest to get revenge, he links up with a couple of his former coworkers and is accidentally digitized and sent into the game world where he has to go toe-to-toe with the villainous Master Control Program, who has some nefarious ideas for NCOM. Very Okay, so this is 80s. a question that I have. <laughs> yes, Christian, ask away. Although
1: Tron is very, very 80s. Tron is so 80s.
0: Tron is super duper de 80s not the least of which involving the arcade, that of course plays a prominent role at the beginning of the movie, or the the idea of a computer program trying to take over the world, But, of course, in the look and design and the feel of the movie, of course. One of the first movies to ever use computer-generated imagery. It's one of the groundbreaking movies in that regard. They did it before Toy Story. They did. Toy Toy Story is sort of the, uh, I guess, the culmination of the work that's been laid down in the 80s and the 90s. but. James Cameron starts to roll out some some CGI later on in the 80s. With, or Terminator 2 is early 90s. So no, The
1: Abyss. The Ab- The Abyss though is he he did do it for The Abyss. Yeah. Uh, okay. I I have a question about these movies. Why are they called Tron when Tron is? Have you Have you wondered this? Because like Tron is not the central character. Alan is not the central character. The one who creates Tron. And the only thing I can think of is like Tron is the idealized hero and maybe that's what they're trying to go for except no one in these movies is as good as Tron like and by good I mean in the moral sense.
0: Christian, I'm gonna blow your mind here. okay Tron of course, the the name of this very good morally good program created by mm-hmm. Alan, one of Kevin Flynn's former co-workers. yeah yeah and they came up with the word Tron because it is a shortening of electronic and i am not kidding that's it all right i think podcast over i'm gonna go jump into a lake now <laughs> we we did it back well, in the day when when electronic
1: no was that makes me so upset
0: <laughs> breaking into all sorts of consumer products and you could still pull some stunt like that just name your character tron it's like but uh what? this is okay
1: but why <laughs> couldn't you name the main program tron then like, because this is why Clue, who is a major character in Tron Legacy, is a character for about two seconds in the first Tron. Indeed, he is. And I do not understand why we couldn't just name the program Tron. Or why, Fl- I okay, we, mm, all right, oh, oh, I'm upset, I'm upset. If you've upset, got I'm notes upset.
0: for Steven Lisberger Christian, I'm sure we could track him down here in the great city of Los Angeles.
1: Did you know that he was a background character in *Tron Legacy*? As I did was see that
0: on Daft IMDb Punk. Somewhere. And did Daft War- Punk. Yes. they
1: were the. The disc jockeys in Tron Legacy. Nice okay, use of uh,
0: disc jockey there, Christian. <laughs> could have said DJ. But speaking of those DJs, of course, the Daft Punk team would provide the score. Disc jockey
1: is the appropriate term when talking about these movies.
0: Christian, you're not allowed to use the, the acronym CGI as we discuss these movies. You must say computer-generated, computer-generated generated images.
1: Computer-generated images, absolutely. Of course,
0: Daft Punk would show up in Tron Legacy and compose the score for it. Legacy, of course, being the sequel, the third. 30 almost 30 years in the making sequel ultimately coming out in 2010 was the directorial debut of joseph kaczynski who many people will now know from top gun maverick among other movies and tron legacy follows the son of kevin flynn sam who is played by garrett headland kevin has been missing for 20 years he is lost maybe dead maybe kidnapped and forgotten about who knows and All of a sudden, Sam and Alan, who is still part of Encom in the future, has received a mysterious page of all forms of communication. They get a page from Kevin's old computer. So Sam goes to investigate and, of course, is transported into the digital world as well, where he has to track down his father and find a way to escape. So we'll be looking at both of these movies here, Christian. And as you mentioned last week when I brought up the idea, it's a little bit different from Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. In that mm-hmm. Sonic and Sonic 2, we both feel generally mild positivity, fun movies to kind of have on, and you could sort of easily talk about them in a one wide range of conversation. Have it on while you do the dishes. But I really want to focus on each of these movies individually because they're so different. I think, number one, the original, of course, is pioneering a lot of the uses of computer-generated imagery, whereas Legacy, as the sequel, is coming up in a world where CGI is really taking over Hollywood. And... Of course, by 2010, it was old news to have movies with heavy CGI. Avatar came out in 2009 and, of course, was revolutionizing what we already had. So it's interesting to look at these two movies in their different historical uh, time periods. But also, they're pretty distinct in terms of their their use of video games, which is our our theme for this month. And it'll be interesting to unpack the two. I really think Legacy, unfortunately, kind of drops that. And I'm curious to see your thoughts on that as we as we look into these two movies. So first things first, you ready to dive into our discussion of the original Tron? I am
1: completely ready to dive into this discussion. Right now, I am looking up information because apparently there's going to be a Tron 3. That is (laughs) and it's going to its production is expected to begin in Vancouver, Vancouver this August.
0: I was going to bring that up near the end of our episode here, but it's worth talking about now because, of course, these darn movies can't just have a sequel that comes out a short time after uh, one of the installments. But the threequel to Tron, tentatively titled Tron Ares, is set to be directed by Joachim Renning who has been around a little bit. He directed one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies with his directorial partner, whose name now escapes me, but he's directing this one as a solo director. And it will star Jared Leto. So get our guy, Keenan Color, excited. His boy, Jared Leto, is taking on another strange role for Disney.
1: (laughs) All right, let's just get started. Actually, the more... Oh, in March 2022, while promoting Morbius. Nope, we're done. We're done. No more Tron Three discussion. Yeah, Keep tough, going.
0: Tough look for Jared Leto to be promoting Morbius and be telling people how he's going to be in a third Tron movie. Of, of course, here, Christian. Let's just get into it. The original Tron here. Mm-hmm. My opening question for you—it uh, was really based just on your the way that you view. The movie, it, it's got a, di- a sort of interesting reputation nowadays, it has sort of a cult following. People did not go out in droves to see it. It was a, a mild success, made $50 million at the box office on a $17 million budget, was very successful for merchandising, and actually spawned a spin-off video game back in the 80s. Roger Ebert himself gave it four out of four stars, but again, didn't start a phenomenon. So it built this cult following over time. And these days is mostly known as the first Tron movie and for pioneering a lot of the computer generated imagery that we see in Hollywood today. So I'm curious to know if for you, Christian, Tron is more of just sort of a cinematic curio, this kind of fun little data point in history, really, when you think about Hollywood movies and CGI or is it legitimately a good film and one that you are glad to have now seen and caught up with and that you'll be recommending to others
1: well you know I've seen Tron before we've actually mentioned Tron on the podcast before
0: we have I'm forgetting this
1: so when we did our AI episode um, because we had to we forced people to pay for it we did a curio of choosing two movies to recommend alongside AI that were actually available for streaming and Tron and Avengers Age of Ultron were the two movies that I recommended
0: okay the the memories are not really sprinting back to me but (laughs) I trust you so my my apologies for forgetting this is not a first time watch
1: uh okay I I also actually have seen Tron Legacy when it came out in theaters it's one of the few movies i for some I don't know why I had no relationship to Tron but I'm like let's go to, to like the two times I went to the movies a year. I'm like, let's go, parents. Okay, um Tron is is a weird film. I am positive on it because it's so cool to look at. Let let, let me say though, um the the story has so many interesting ideas it's trying to grapple with, none of which really make sense. <laughs> I don't know if you feel differently about this, but there's this weird religious undertone to the Tron movies because the users yes. are basically like gods, right?
0: Yeah, and in, in the world of Tron, they when they go into the computer world, all of the quote-unquote people there refer to each other as programs because, of course, that's what they are. They're these sort of anthropomorphized blocks of code <laughs> who are walking around as people. So they have a either a good or a bad relationship to the users, the people above in the real world. And it that religious undercurrent is very apparent. <laughs> kind of funny because the bad guys, of course, are very anti the users. <laughs> and You cannot believe in the users. We have to live and exist ourselves as programs. It's kind of a, it, it's a little bit funny. I have to be real.
1: And the programs have developed their own society, which is again a little weird because there are bars and there are also
0: hookers, <laughs> and and <laughs> Christian, Christian, <Hi. laughs> while while I was while I watched these movies for the show, I I kind of jot down my little notes and. A lot of them are just funny observations that I have while watching the movies. Some of them, of course, are actually substantive. But I did write down—I'm trying to—I I did write down a little note for myself while watching the original Tron that just says, "Are there computer hookers?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just a flash, but it gets you thinking, especially as a grown-up who is not watching this movie as a kid anymore, and you realize, wait a second. I'm
1: also. Not entirely sure what the master control program is trying to do. Like, he he is, is kind of wanting to control all programs, but mainly he just doesn't want them to believe in the users. And so he's okay if the programs have like a seedy underbelly, as long as they're not trying... To like do what their users want them to do even though the master control program himself was made by a user and has like a weird relationship with that
0: user the master also, control program is sort of like proto skynet <laughs> this movie came out before terminator and the the way he's conceived is so early 80s computers yes, where computers absolutely. are really starting to become much more widely used and people don't have a, a full grasp of what computers can and will be used for and so also, the Master Controls program, like, plan yeah. is to steal other programs. <laughs> like he, he he mentions at one point, it, he either mentions it to Dillinger, who's his sort of, like, human counterpart in the real world, or he maybe just mentions it to one of his underlings about how he wants access to the Pentagon. <laughs> like, he wants to steal the military programs. It's, again, very funny.
1: Also, there's, um, oh, what's the, what's, what's, what's the other thing about this? I, I kind of... Wish Okay, let's start with the positive. I'm actually really digging these performances. And yes, it is Jeff Bridges. However, the character or the actor that I liked more than Jeff Bridges was Brooks Boxleitner. Because I liked Alan and Tron more than I liked about Kevin Flynn. More than I liked Kevin Flynn because I think Kevin's just your stereotypical... 80s, ne'er do well, really, really intelligent, who is kind of also a deadbeat a little bit, and he has he's going like on his revenge quest, but it's actually again the movie is called Tron because there's a morally good guy who's helping him out. Tron's kind of fascinating, and and, and his like undying loyalty to the users I think is really interesting to see, and, and like I wish we had explored a little bit more. Why? Like, the, the the relationship that these programs have to their users, I don't think was fleshed out that well. I also don't know if people can tell. I like the movie.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm with you there. I'm positive on, on Tron. And one way they do bring out that connection to the users is probably my favorite part about the movie, in that most of the main cast members have dual roles. Yes. So as uh, Flynn goes into the digital world, he sees that Tron... Uh, Alan, who is the programmer in the real world, played by Bruce Boxleitner, who also portrays Tron in, in the uh, computer world. Cindy Morgan, whose most famous role is Lacey Underall in Caddyshack, for all you Caddyshack fans out there. She's oh, yeah. also all, you
1: ca- all, all you Caddyshack fans that listen to this
0: podcast. That, that specifically is my father, John Lentz. So thanks for listening, Dad. Shout out to a movie that I know you like and that we have watched together, Caddyshack. But I have seen c- Caddyshack. I like Caddyshack. There you go. Cindy Morgan plays a- another programmer in the real world who, is, you know, is romantically involved with Alan, I believe, and plays a another program called Yori, I think, in the computer world. And the last kind of key cast member is David Warner, who plays Dillinger and the master control program's voice, and also Sark, who's sort of the not the main antagonist but he's like the darth vader to the master control program's emperor palpatine (laughs) he's the one out doing all of the mcp's dirty work and it's really fun to see the the how these actors get to bring out the different nuances of their human counterparts and their digital computer counterparts david warner personally you know as gets to be this malevolent AI program, but also this corporate like bad guy (laughs) who has this funny line to walk because he's trying to steal credit for all of Kevin Flynn's ideas, but is also being bossed around by the Master Control program. He's in this prison of his own design. And he gets to bring out those little nuances, both in the real world and in the computer world.
1: Okay, I actually think... I, I, I know you wanted to split up the discussion of the two movies. It might be... Interesting to to talk about them together. But before I talk about Legacy though, the ending of this movie when so spoiler alert for a movie, the good guys win.
0: Christian, are you telling me that in this Disney picture the good guys win?
1: I am actually. I'm gonna have
0: to sit on that for a little while. I'm, I'm really shocked.
1: And Kevin gets a piece of paper printed that says that the original idea for the video game and for NCOM was his. And I go, You're telling me you couldn't have just written this on a typewriter? Because that. It's it's not even a full. It's like half a page. It's like a half a sheet of paper. And I go, This is. This is what we were fighting for.
0: Is there any way Kevin Flynn goes into a, a court of law in, in this country and holds up that piece of paper? His lawyers hold up that piece of paper and they're like, see, your honor, my client <laughs> did invent space paranoids and all of the other software that Encom is stealing his credit for.
1: Oh, but but the paper says priority one on it.
0: hmm so obviously, yeah, no, that would hold up. I'm, I'm silly that, 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 would for
1: sure that count. holds up in a court of law. Now, well, uh, I, I really love the visuals because I think visuals and like these weird random graphics from the seventies and eighties are more interesting a lot of the times than graphics from today because they look so odd and they have to be really practical. And so because of that massive distinction between like human skin and like the neon lights next to them, I'm like, this is cool. This is retro.
0: Yeah. Tron has a little bit of like a, like a 50s sci-fi feeling. Yeah. Movies where there, there's been enough movies made where we kind of know how to do special effects, but we still don't have all of the capabilities to make our dreams come true. And so there's this, this sort of blend of new and old in Tron. Like all of the characters are wearing these sort of, Loose, not loose or ill fitting costumes, but you can tell it's just a, like a nylon or like polyester costume that they're in with some goofy helmets and gloves to help them look like computer programs. But you also have these really fascinating and expressive backdrops created to bring the digital world to life. And one thing I did want to call out is that they brought in the French artist Mobius to help with the visual design of this Mm -hmm. world. And he's someone who's, whose artwork is used all over cinema. Uh, And he's, he worked on movies like the fifth element as well, the abyss alien. So he is a go-to for some of these really, you know, otherworldly science fiction type of movies. And his input and the designs they created for the movie, which also are pretty minimal in their execution, really work. In, and even, um, in what, almost over 40 years on, it's still fun just to look at and see the imagination that they're doing with the really limited amount of tools they had.
1: It looks like they made this movie using Technicolor. And if you look at movies that are made with Technicolor, they're really cool to look at. Because the color is a is made to pop, it's not made to look realistic. And it's fun when movies have that look to them. Now, I am I am gonna say Jeff Bridges really, really likes to kiss Cindy Morgan, whether she is playing a real person or Yori, the yes, program.
0: He does. He does and like to do that.
1: It's funny because Tron gets really upset. Like, the one moment where he sees that there might be, like, some chemistry between the two of them. And Tron goes and, like, uh, like moves her behind him, like, overprotective. But then Yori teaches him how to kiss at the end of the movie. I... Th- this movie's so weird. This movie's yes, so is. odd.
0: Yeah, that... I mean, again, the, the sort of story and characters at the center of Tron are like just a little bit convoluted <laughs> and for some people i think that's sort of a, it's like a feature not a bug you know it's a fun byproduct of this movie that is so intent on creating this fascinating visual world and playing with just the imagination of what computers could be what video games are like and, and what would it be like to go inside your favorite video game and have to survive yeah. there i mean we barely touched on the the video game theme of course but uh, again, Tron is—it's yep. th- the 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 actual game in world is called Space Paranoids, which is this game that Kevin created, but Encom claimed credit for. And so, at the arcade that he now owns, you have all these kids playing arcade games, but Kevin's the best at Tron or whatever Space Paranoids. He's the best at Space Paranoids, and so he gets to actually then do it for real <laughs> when he gets transported into the game. It's the that very real fantasy that so many people who grew up playing video games had of what would it be like to to go into the legend of zelda or go in to mario and and you know jump and and save princess peach with him and all, all of that uh all that like dreaming and childlike imagination is on display
1: yes yes the the like the cycle ride is really cool the disc throwing is really cool i think that a an improvement to this movie would have been to include more scenes from the real world to kind of build up the drama between what happens in the real world and what happens in the computer world but i also respect that i'm being bombarded by so many visuals and cool artistic choices and that may i transition slightly to tron legacy or no wait you you have an opening question for it? i do
0: yeah i was just gonna say that like tron itself was actually originally conceived as a mostly animated movie it was going to be yes. animated everything in the computer world was going to be animated with yep. the sort of live action sequences bracketing it so mm-hmm. i with what we ultimately got as the final product i do kind of agree with you that it would have been nice to see a little more action in the real world even bringing in dillinger david warner's counterpart Or something, you know, just seeing these characters sort of acting alongside their digital counterparts. If they could have figured a way to to do that, I I think it would have benefited the movie. And, And I do think that the live action sequences also look really good. Like, there's a scene where Alan and Cindy Morgan's character, who's the real world, is named Laura. So, Alan and Laura go to visit Kevin at his arcade before he is digitized. And there's a scene where they're all talking in his office, and I just, it was just beautiful to look at there's these venetian blinds casting light across their faces these 80s neon lights from the arcade glowing in the background just like man they really nailed the the visual look of these sequences but we're going to spend it all in the computer world so i'm with you there i think some more some more live action sequences could have benefited the movie especially bringing out the comparisons between characters and and flexing both types of uh, camera work here the, the live action and the computer generated but looking at Tron Legacy now, yeah, as we step forward into the future, I am curious, Christian, especially just starting with where we've been. We've been talking about the look of Tron, which is really the main draw to watching the movie. Unless you know you want to be up on the story so that you can watch Tron Legacy, I'm curious just what you think about the the massively updated look of Tron Legacy, which you know at the time. State-of-the-art, top-of-the-line CGI, and it still looks good 12 years, 13 years later. But I'm just curious what you think, because the original is wholly unique. You will not watch a movie that looks like Tron, but you'll see a lot of movies that look like Tron Legacy. So I'm curious just your thoughts on the, the look and the visual design of the movie, and if Kaczynski, picking up as director, was able to you know, actually build on what Tron had laid down.
1: Okay. Uh, in terms of comparing the two, it actually impressed me how much I liked the visuals. The visual effects look incredibly sleek in *Tribal Legacy*. Great work. And for it. they, oh, what's the best? They look slightly tangible, and I think that's the way in which the visual effects—they uh, did not. I'm, I'm not going to say that they improved, but they held their own. Because there were practical costume designs and there were incredibly awesome neon light sequences and uh, uh, different bikes that were used that were actually, I believe, created for the movie. Now, that combination and also the the outstanding cinematography... And uh, darkly lit even exterior environment that we were in when we were not in one of just the the um, tech buildings that is around here. very much so impressed me. And I'm gonna answer a different part of this question now. I'm actually gonna just throw something in here. Wouldn't it have been great if the acting didn't remind you of a loaf of bread? What? <laughs> what? A loaf of bread? <laughs> You know how a loaf of bread is square? <laughs> and uh, yeah,
0: most loaves of bread, well, you know, some are circular, I suppose. You get a bag You know how, you know?
1: Loaves of bread all look the same. <laughs> you know how loaves of bread all talk the same and that they don't talk?
0: Oh, I was going to say Christian, if your <laughs> loaves of bread are talking to you, we should probably just end the podcast and maybe have a different conversation off air.
1: <laughs> I think that for content, we should have that conversation on air. <laughs> that being said, the acting is so kind of flat. The acting is really, really flat. Interesting, question. <laughs> and I don't believe the chemistry between Garrett Edlund and anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and anyone. Garrett Edlund and his dog. No chemistry.
1: And Garrett Hedlund is doing this thing where, like, I think half of his mouth he's keeping clenched, but the other half is okay to move around, because he's trying to make all words sound like this to some extent. And I go, well, bro, what are you doing? Is this like a? Is this like a character? Did, did, were you okay? Did you undergo
0: something as a child? Uh. Well, his I... father was taken into the digital world like sam flynn you know no daddy had to be raised by his grandparents yeah he should have just like walked it off (laughs) so what you're saying is is pretty in line with the the critical reception to tron legacy um should mention here another relative box office success pulled in just above 400 million dollars at the global box office but of course the budget was literally 10 times as large as the original movie. It went from $17 million budget to $170 million budget. So, is that again, including marketing? N- no. I don't. Okay. I think that's just production budget. So again, with marketing, with other costs, it probably got very close to breaking even. But that was the general sense for the critical reaction, is that a lot of critics, once again, liked the look of the film. They liked the score, the Daft the Punk score, music. The
1: Daft Punk score is really interesting and it's very it's like a a great comparison i think it's blade runner 2049 this this neon apocalyptic wasteland of a future except this is blue where blade runner 2049 is orange
0: uh once uh, after seeing this movie in theaters as a youth which i i also did i think i'd seen the original tron beforehand but maybe i didn't i did go home And once I got an iTunes gift card for my birthday or Christmas, because that's what we were doing back in 2010, I did use part of that money to buy the song Derezzed from the Score uh, album on iTunes, which is the music that kicks in during the fight at the end of the line bar. And it's one of the only truly upbeat tracks in the entire movie. And I had forgotten how slow and atmospheric most of the music is (laughs) so i kept waiting for this like pulse pounding edm to kick in and it never did except for that one scene And i I was i was moving and grooving in bed watching this movie well there
1: are two disc jockeys there there are disc
0: jockeys yes played by daft punk themselves but and the critical look
1: it, it's weird because when the fighting starts, they like look at each other and nod, and then change the song.
0: <laughs> it is time for a much faster pace song. Do you think? <laughs> yes, I agree. And I okay, but what we were getting at with this whole conversation, yeah. Christian, is the the general critical reaction is that the story is once again not a selling point, and the characters and the the acting is flat, and you, it, the characters don't have clearly clear arcs, clear development here, and. I don't think that's way off base but I don't fully agree. I, I was a fan of Tron Legacy upon rewatch and Sam I think Garrett Hedlund's performance there are certainly actors who could have done better. Hedlund has had a long career in Hollywood he's doing fine for himself but he's not an a He's married A-list. to
1: Emma Roberts or at least they're together.
0: Really? They have a child. Yes. Well good for them. Good for them. He of course has not really ascended to an A-list talent. This is One of his big opportunities, and unfortunately, did not continue that way for him. And I have to say, I really like his performance, sort of near the beginning of the movie, where he gets to really be kind of that punk, you know? (laughs) The movie is sort of set in motion by him breaking into Encom. We found out he's the primary shareholder, even though his father's been missing for all these years. But, of course, he's not working at the company. He's not part of the board. And the board is now taken over by a bunch of smarmy suits. Because, of course, that's what happens in these types of movies. And he breaks into the building and secretly swaps in a video of his dog barking during this meeting where the company is supposed to publicly announce one of its new products. And we get to see him being that, for lack of a a better word, that douche. (laughs) That douchebag who is more interested in sabotaging board meetings then carrying on his father's legacy and as he sort of picks up the mold of hero as the movie goes on i i don't think he nails it but i wasn't really lost i don't i think he and bridges had all right chemistry he and olivia wilde who we have not mentioned yet but is the third main character here playing cora who's this other program that kevin flynn has been staying with and and they've been making do in the outskirts of the grid this digital world while he's been trapped there i think what we have is all right but it, it again the human characters unfortunately sort of pale in comparison to the visual design the creativity of the world the music the look but you're left wanting by the more narrative elements
1: this okay Here's where I don't think it's Garrett Hedlund's fault. I actually don't think it's that many people's faults. This is where I do fault the direction a little bit and the story a little bit. Um, Again, I think that if you had included more scenes in the real world, it helps flesh out some of these characters. But Garrett Hedlund's character is not allowed to respond to the fact that he's in a digital world. He kind of just has to go with it. And so when he is locked into one of the disc-throwing games, he's, like, rolling with the punches. You know, he realizes he has a disc on his back and he can throw it, but he's, like, good at the game immediately. And I will say I was kind of taken away slightly. Like, he's not even... I guess he's put on a transporter for a hot 30 seconds, but there's just not enough time for me to believe that his character has a to the world when he sees his dad who or quote unquote, when he sees clue who's formatted after his dad, he's like dad. And then he just like stays where he is. It's, it's a very stoic. I, I don't think that's a choice. I think he's being told to stay where he is. And when he sees his actual father, Jeff Bridges is like, we'll talk at dinner. And I go, if this is the first time I'm seeing my father in, I don't know, like 16 years? No, we're not waiting till dinner, bro. We're having that massive pig. By the way, where did they get that pig? They were eating a massive full pig for dinner. And I don't... Like, do pigs roam the grid in the digital world that they live in?
0: I I have a feeling there was some some computer trickery involved. Uh, We do find out that Kevin Flynn, after all these years in this digital world that he created, has the ability to code from within i guess you can call it the, no one <laughs> carved the pig the pig <laughs> is left there uncarved my my head canon christian is that the pig is visual like it's just if you try to reach out it'd be like the food that plankton like his computer wife makes for him it's like just a picture <laughs>
1: But then, what are they eating?
0: I don't know. The people in in the grid eat and drink, and I just kept wondering why are these programs eating and drinking? What, what are they drinking? What does it serve them? Okay, that, that <laughs> to no, no, no <laughs> that that is answered in the original Tron. It's like a, an energy source. That's right. There there is a scene in the original where they stop at what would be a river in the real world, and it's it's like power of some kind. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like an, but it's not explained well. But you. No. They're
1: ed- they're like, they, they grow a brighter shade of blue.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much a, hey, this is fun. Now let's keep going. Um, while we do have to unpack the, the human relationships here, but I do have to say about Clue. Clue is the most 2010 aspect of this movie because the CGI wizardry used to achieve the de-aged Jeff Bridges effect is like a jump scare at the beginning of the movie because there's a scene set in the 80s where Sam is a kid and Kevin is talking to him before leaving for work and eventually they reveal his face and it is horrifying and then they bring Clue back once he gets into the digital world and it's still it still that late yeah, 80s Bridges it looks <laughs> off like it does you look- are lost without a map in the uncanny valley (laughs) that is that is where we are it is unsettling and there there are a couple of sort of flashbacks where we see kevin and clue and tron also and it Quite literally, looks like a video game cutscene from that era, and it makes yeah. more sense in that context because all of those characters are CGI de-aged faces on other actors, so they blend in together, and you can sense that it's from the past. It's not supposed to be representing what's happening now. But the when Clue is running after the good guys and chasing them near the end of the movie, every time it cuts to him, it's just a little bit unsettling. <laughs>
1: This movie, I think, wants to be Mad Max Fury Road. Really? Why do you say that? Because they are on their way to the source. They're on their way to the gateway that they opened to get into the grid, the digital world. And they want to get there and leave. And the way they get there is by riding a bunch of different vehicles. And encountering a bunch of different kooky characters. However... I think that the acting falls a little bit flat and I would have rather just seen them in their different like helicarriers, in their different motorcycles, in their different um there's this pole that they have that when they jump forward, the pole can transform into either this weird helicopter wing thing or into either a motorcycle. I could have seen like it's a two hour runtime. I could have seen 90 straight minutes of just them doing that in different versions and shooting at each other and going up against each other. That's why I'm saying, I feel like this is trying to be a Mad Max Fury road or a Mad Max Two: the road warrior, but it's, it's being bogged down trying to give us a sto- I still don't know what an, um, an ISO is that what it is?
0: Yeah. So we learn that Kevin was building the grid he was building this digital world with clue and with tron and they were hoping to create a digital society and learn and give back to human society and ultimately try to develop human innovations in the digital world that kevin could then bring out and they discover this naturally occurring civilization of isomorphic algorithms and of course because it's the digital world these algorithms are portrayed by people they they look like humans and these isomorphic algorithms which I don't fully understand <laughs> myself, I took to be half human, half digital characters, or as Kevin describes it, biodigital jazz man. And the goal was going to be to use them and bring kind of that half and half human digital being into the real world where you could learn from their perfect coding slash DNA and we could we could cure disease like that's the the rant that, that he makes no sense of course not christian no. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> makes, at all
1: see, i'm listening to you try to We're explain in a this world
0: where we've created a laser that digitizes physical objects and downloads it into a computer world and it can do that, that to sense, humans
1: <laughs> that makes sense though I don't know,
0: for some reason my head's like, yeah, I get that. Well, I think it's you... just it's straightforward is what it is. Where even if it's absolute poppycock, we can understand that that scene in the original Tron where yeah. all the little bits of Kevin are sort of disappeared an and turned scene. to data. It's awesome. It's so well. I wish done. more people had been
1: set just so that I could see like what poses they got. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> so okay. when we try to complicate it yeah. by having these naturally occurring digital creations of life, then yes, it does get a little bit a little bit too far beyond the realm of believability which is something you never want to be talking about when you're watching a Disney science fiction blockbuster and okay I Jeff Bridges powers also
1: are not well explained because he will like kneel down and touch the ground and he when he kneels down and touches the ground it's almost like he's accessing the mainframe of the grid and coding stuff but Like, what? Because he doesn't do it that often. And every, like, all light will go off and it's just dark. And then he stands up and looks around looking menacing. And I go, oh, I guess he he did something. I don't know what
0: he did. The Kevin uses his quote-unquote powers occasionally i guess and i don't know if there's a story reason maybe it's that he didn't want to draw attention to him and cora living out in the woods basically in this digital cave outside the city that has come to be built within the grid but i don't i don't really know in the story of course he is trapped there he cannot get out it's not worth trying and so maybe he just resigns himself to a quiet life away from clue who of course I guess this might be an interesting uh, point to actually dip into some of the themes, Christian, because we, we know that Clue was originally designed by Kevin to be this program that helps create perfect programs, essentially. He is this digital counterpart of Kevin, and his pursuit of perfection is what causes problems in the first place, because these isomorphic algorithms are not perfect, they're a little bit like humans, of course, the world, humanity, all of us, we're all very, very imperfect, even the best of us, and for a program who is designed and written by ones and zeros to <laughs> pursue perfection, of course, that would not do, and I'm curious if you, what you think there, because I think the themes in the original Tron, again, not really the selling point, but you kind of see what they're getting at with this religious undercurrent, kind of jazzes up the world a little bit there's also there's one other sort of like comedic conversation i want to have with you about the themes of the original tron but it's not important we'll save it (laughs) so what did you make of any sort of theme work done here especially when it comes to clue and the sort of digital perfection versus human imperfection
1: I, i don't think that the theme was hammered home because i i feel like i needed to see how he believes his world to be perfect but all we saw was him as a slave driver. We didn't really see him moving toward anything except trying to escape, and we didn't see any of the imperfections of the users or of the real world. Now I think that the theme is actually interesting—that you view your user, the person who created you, as perfect, whereas we know that every single one of us is an imperfect being, and to have that be re- um, to have that be a revelation to a character can be extremely shocking but that isn't even what turned clue like if clue had said i see that you are imperfect i don't know why i'm still listening to you that has been the basis of so many other um ai created movies and you you can tell why because it's 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 an awakening of of a sorts the fact that clue isn't mad at Flynn but he's mad at the isos kind of loses me so there is something there them treating it as a religion doesn't cover something um that other other sci-fi stories will only hint at and I can see it as something to be explored more but again a little undercooked
0: I think it's used to inspire clues motives because we learn that his he has lured Sam to the grid and he's the he's lured him there to reopen this portal that we were talking about and he wants to escape the grid and bring his quest of perfection to the deeply imperfect human world which in a vacuum again I don't really know how successful he would be (laughs) but maybe that will be the plot of Tron Ares where Clues. The plot of
1: Tren Ares is supposed to be is supposed to take place in the real world.
0: There but you go. So, so Jared you, Leto is going to have his digital counterpart escape into the real world and try to wreak havoc. But, but here's the thing. Again, I
1: don't think that that would make a great movie. The thing that they keep missing in all of these different incarnations of Tron is that I think you need a mix of how both the real world and the digital world are imperfect. And how what they are trying to do is be pro technology and interact one with each other.
0: And I mean that's uh, that's that's Tron's catchphrase, right? Which I'm now forgetting, but it's like I, I do... fight for the users I is fight, his catchphrase. I fight for the users. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what he's about, you know. And, and Tron is that bridge character. He's the he's the one who Epitomizes that theme of of wanting to be this blend of movie called Tron Legacy. We we got to it, Christian. This we figured it out because he's the one who is the the program who fights for the users. He's this he's got that perfect thematic blend of of digital perfection and human imperfection. He he wants good for the users and for the programs. That's we got it. We figured it out but there's
1: minimal Tron and Tron's my
0: favorite out of these characters. <laughs> He's more prominently featured in the first Tron movie. That is for sure. In legacy, he has an interesting part to play, shall we say? And unfortunately it, it, it would be a spoiler to say how he gets involved in the movie, but it's also not a very well hidden spoiler by the movie itself. <laughs> Where I remembered what happened because I had seen this movie all those years ago, but I think even if I didn't remember what happened that I may have picked up on where they were going with it. So
1: I, I, before we end our discussion, I do want to say even looking back at this and Kaczynski as a filmmaker, I've now seen three of his movies. He, I think is great at using sound and very much. So he can build such a great atmosphere and knows how the score should interact with the tangible environment that they are in. And, like, because what's the number one thing you remember from Top Gun Maverick? Sure, it's the planes, but it's the sound that the plane makes that stays with you.
0: The, this, the moment in Top Gun Maverick where I, I think it's, it's Cruise whose plane goes soaring over Ed Harris at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And the, the boom of the plane's engines hit you. I won't forget that.
1: But that's, I guess, our discussion, right?
0: Yeah. Funnily enough, the in terms of Oscar's attention, the original Tron actually received two nominations. One for costume design and one for best sound, but notably did not get nominated for special effects or anything like that. And yeah, F. Wait, <laughs> let me let
1: me see who was nominated for Best
0: Special Effects. Steven Lisberger, again, the director there, he, he was quoted as saying, the Academy thought we cheated by using computers, which is truly hilarious. <laughs> when you consider that the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, of course, has now been given out for decades. I um, don't yeah. even know if it was being given out at this time, because it's it was. 82. You know who won? Tell me. E.T., there you go. <laughs> no computers there, Christian. That puppet was all natural. Um, the sequel, Tron Legacy, would end up getting nominated for Best Sound Effects Editing when they were still delineating two different sound awards. So again, no visual effects. award. No, nomination I, think, I Tron thought Legacy. Tron Legacy was nominated for Best Visual Effects. It was not. Just the one. Uh, oh, and here you go, Christian. What? Here's, yeah, there you go. Here is my, my funny... Thematic concern I want to bring to your attention regarding the original Tron. I made a realization that I need to share with you because I need to hash out this theory here on the podcast. Sure. The original Tron is an anti communism movie. The Master Control Program and all of his cronies are, by nature, an atheistic movement. They do not believe in the users and they punish programs who say that they do. They're trying to gather up the programs without involvement of the users and trying to take over within the digital world and then, of course, take over the real world and what was America's fear during the Cold War but that communism would take over the areas where it was, Eastern Europe, Southeast Asia, and then take over the rest of the world, Europe, North America, etc. Of course, Christian, what color are Sark and the other baddies most commonly lit in? Red? That's right. Red. The color of communism. I rest my case.
1: Well, also, though, in Star Wars, the bad guys have red lightsabers. Well, I feel like yes, red's but... kind of a <laughs> go-to for a bad guy.
0: Yeah, oh, Yeah, it sure is, Christian. And notably, in Star Wars, the not an anti-communist movie let's let's say but i couldn't help but notice the <laughs> the the anti-communist I sense i got I, it's, I, it's I, the no, early no, no. 80s it's reagan it's a disney movie <laughs> it just it not right to me
1: i it, it i think it makes sense I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it so this is, this is a pro-religion movie
0: <laughs> indeed the our, our guy tron he's a prophet you know, he fights for the users. He, he believes. is a prophet, and you know what they did to prophets? They killed them. <laughs> Does that mean that that Kevin Kevin here? Oh my gosh, Christian, Kevin Flynn is like Jesus. He's a user yes. who came down to the digital world. Came down to the digital world. <laughs> he was he was fully programmed, but also fully Full user
1: human, <laughs> and he's fighting for the
0: programs and and tron i guess is he like is he like peter maybe or like the john no the no no peter was cool.
1: too stupid <laughs> clue was probably
0: peter <laughs> uh
1: clue was probably judas, john i don't know probably
0: yeah
1: clue ended up being john
0: oh judas i mean judas judas <laughs> clue ended up being judas that turncoat Well, folks, there you go. There is our unpacking of the religious and political themes of Tron (laughs) tacked on to the end of this episode here. Both of those movies are streaming on Disney Plus and are recommended by Christian and myself. Mm -hmm. Do you have a preference either way? Do you prefer the original Tron to Legacy? I
1: I think, okay, um, I'm going to go with, uh, okay, I, I think I have to go with Tron is cooler, but Legacy is easier to sit through. You think? I think Tron is probably a better movie, and I think its visual effects are much more groundbreaking. But I think Legacy has more action, whereas Tron is a little muted on the action.
0: Yeah, Legacy, again, it's a recognizable american blockbuster it's a little bit more straightforward down the middle there's real craft obviously you got joseph kaczynski making his his first movie there but the original does have that breakthrough something big is happening feeling and it it does you see why it became a cult film even though again relatively successful at the box office you see why it developed that devoted fan base Mm -hmm. both those movies are streaming on disney plus recommended by christian and myself if you missed them and as, as you're listening to this episode, I recommend you check them out. And if you really get into Tron, I also learned there's a uh, there's a TV show. It's called Tron Uprising. It aired for one season on Disney XD. It fills in the gap between Tron and Tron Legacy. You can check that out. There's also, like, video games and stuff. And eventually, Jared Leto, he's going to be Ares in, in Tron <laughs> Ares. So we'll see what that's about, if that movie ever goes into production. Who knows? It feels like we have to have at least a decade between Tron movies absolutely that's where where we are with whenever this one eventually comes out christian our video game movies blend of the month has almost come to an end we have a special episode planned for next week but before that i do want to do some abbreviated awards um i didn't share this with you in our outline because i'm really only interested in one and normally we have more awards given in terms of maybe our best performance or best sequence or best use of the theme. But I'm really only interested in your best picture this month because I know the movies that we were looking at, by and large, nothing particularly amazing. A lot of movies that I think are good, ones that we enjoyed, we've covered five as opposed to our usual three. We had some different opinions here and there, but I'm really just curious what was your favorite of the bunch? And then we'll get into our plan for next week.
1: Oh man, um. So, uh, oh man, Mario.
0: Good, graciousness, Christian. Okay, you didn't just do that to me on my very own podcast that I co-host with you, regretably. <laughs> I, I, look, it's it's
1: there are more ground ba- breaking effects in Tron than there are in Mario. There's much more of character breakdown in Sonic and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 than there are in Mario, but Mario is the one that gave me the most action. I I, I can't believe what I'm saying right now. You shouldn't I doubt, I I <laughs> doubt that. Mario is just I don't know. It it was like instead of trying to just build a World, we're gonna give you cool scene after cool scene. And I think Sonic. Wait, wait, listen to me. Christian. Sonic got bogged down in trying to give me character relationships, and Tron got bogged down
0: trying to build a religion that didn't make sense. Christian, you're like, sure, the other movies were trying to create characters and tell me a story, but Mario had pretty colors and flashy. <laughs> Flashy, zingy animation that made me smile. That's, what, that's it, what you're saying. Mario set out to execute something, and I think it accomplished it. You are the writer here, my
1: friend. I am a writer, yes. And it's not like this. Okay, Mario is a definition of, uh, of, of, of writing a script to sell. Not doing anything else. Just saying, look, we got it we cut out any anything that might confuse anyone anything that is above a 5 year old's comprehension level here now animate this and it i it it was so much fun i i i've realized that if i have fun while watching the movie and don't need to think about anything else the movie works for me and and i'm i'm It's not that I am defending Mario, but also, like, why am I going to say, like, no, Mario's not perfect, but it did what it accomplished, and I liked it. Like, that's all I want a movie to do, man.
0: I regret how severely my mental health was affected by listening to more than one grown-up adult who can, like, vote for politicians and affect change in the world give positive remarks about the super mario brothers movie i i felt disturbed by it and i should have had the tenacity to push through and just be a hater but i'm not used to being a hater i'm normally the nice one really got to me so
1: nice to all of your points for the past three weeks (laughs) and all i hear is how dare you (laughs)
0: i'm more concerned about our friend our friend keenan color he's the he's the one who actually has children he should have been able to distinguish between what his children enjoyed and and what they should have been getting instead my best picture for this month is tron i give it the edge slightly over tron legacy pretty much exactly for what you said i think legacy for how slick and cool it looks for how exciting it is to see joseph kaczynski make his debut for how good that Daft Punk score is. I think the original in with all of its rough edges and slapdash, we're going to make it work. We're going to try and create something amazing. That feeling is just so much more potent for me than the other movies that we watched this month, which kind of strangely enough, all four of them were big blockbuster movies made with huge budgets for Mario and Sonic, of course, adapting beloved video game characters, Tron Legacy, not a video game movie, really, uh, uh, when compared to the original Tron. But Legacy being this big budget sequel to this little movie that, I mean, we could do a whole, really a whole history podcast of how Steven Lisberger got that movie made. It it just is... We should. Yes. The story behind it is ridiculous. It's a great Wikipedia read. And how they made the movie itself is so fascinating. I mean... We could Scott, have gone. We're at, at an
1: hour that. and two minutes recording, and I that's love why you. I'm done. I was Let's about wrap to. This was,
0: up. I'm wrapping it up. I'm, I am. You're, you're, you're rejecting. Okay, me. tell
1: us what we're going to do next week. Wrap up. The so podcast. my best picture is drawn.
0: Next week on the Cinema Drip Podcast, we're doing something similar to what we've done in the past, but it's going to have a little bit of a, a different, uh, a different rule set here, Christian. So next week we're doing what I'm calling the video game movie grab bag. And here on the show next week, you and I, similar to the old episodes we would do, the streaming recommendations episodes, are just gonna talk briefly about a bunch of movies. Because video game movies, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you and I have seen our fair share, whether it's adaptations or the few documentaries that have been made about video games, Wait, okay. or even something video game inspired. So and it does it it can be video game inspired yes video game inspired is on the table and so what i'm gonna I'm ask to about war games you can do that you should do that talking about 80s movies nascent video game i mean the video game industry was booming at that point so maybe not nascent but again not a streaming recommendations episode so folks we cannot promise that all these movies will be streaming we're just going to talk about them share some movies that we've seen before they don't have to be good I, I expect you, you to watch you, something bad and tell me about it, Christian. I okay, expect I, that of you.
1: But I think that they should be that you enjoy them. Don't just talk about, like I don't know. Well, I, I mean, I idea... haven't seen
0: Cronenberg's existence, but like <laughs> if you if you think I'm sure going to be watching that, and I cannot wait to tell you about it. <laughs> okay, now let's,
1: let's 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 wrap up. I got it. Let's. let's... So that's the grab
0: back next week, folks. Wide range of conversation, lots of different movies. And hey, if you have a video game movie that you want us to talk about, because maybe you're a big fan of Rampage starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson or a video game inspired movie like Scott Pilgrim versus the world. You should write into us. That's right. I'm breaking up the original flow of the outro because we really, 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 really want your thoughts and suggestions for this episode. So that's cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Write us in your thoughts. Would love to know a movie that you like. Maybe it's a guilty pleasure of some sort, or maybe you saw Detective Pikachu and think it's an absolute travesty and we should hate on it next week, which I will not be doing because I like Detective Pikachu. But send us your thoughts at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can, of course, follow us on social media. Me and the show are on Twitter. Christian is on Instagram and both of us are on Letterboxd where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. And you can please, if you would subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a rating or review helps us reach new listeners, helps us grow the show on different platforms like Apple music or Spotify, Amazon music. We really do want to grow the show. Would love to know that you folks out there are listening along and having a good time. So please subscribe, leave us a rating or review. Hey, maybe share it with a friend or two. We would greatly appreciate that. And with that, Christian, that is our show. Before I get derezzed by you because I've been talking too much here on this Tron episode, this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.